Welcome to the Wisdom Lifestyle Money Show. I'm your host, Scott Dillingham. The goal of the show is to show you how you can grow personally, financially, have a larger net worth, and leverage your largest asset to help you develop the person you want to be. I take you through all the steps I did from being nothing to being told that I was nobody and I was never going to accomplish anything, from getting kicked out of high school to owning a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio in my own company with more than 20 employees. You'll meet our partners, you'll meet our friends, you'll quickly discover how you can improve your life. So listen in and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Wisdom Lifestyle Money Show. I'm your host, Scott Dillingham. Today, I have a really special guest with us, Amy Wong. Amy, welcome. Oh, Scott, I have been so looking forward to this conversation. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. It's so great to have you. Amy, first, I want to dive into your story and a bit about you and your book. I think your book is fascinating. I've read it. I loved it. Um, but first, let's let's talk about your childhood and how you grew up and grew to be the Amy that you are now and where you educate companies and all these cool things that you do now. Yeah. So I uh, I feel so fortunate because my parents, they have, they'll be married 50 years this next year, which is amazing. Okay. They are best they are friends. Best. They are truly magnificent people. And I was raised with so much unconditional love and just so much support. And I, I feel so grateful for that. Now, my parents, they, they both were, they, they had it really hard when they were young. My dad grew up in pure poverty, just pure poverty. It's amazing how he pulled himself up for, through his bootstraps and ended up becoming the human that he did. He's phenomenal. My mom had a really rough childhood as well. They found each other quite young. They got married in their early twenties. They bought a nightclub because my dad's also a musician, learned, learned awesome. drums. Yeah, he's phenomenal. And so they bought this nightclub in Sacramento. And so I was raised in a bar the first part of my life <laughs> as an infant. And, um, but they're just tremendous, just amazing humans. They're generous. They're kind. They're fun. They're funny. They're, they just are so in love with life. They're in love with each other. They, I have two siblings. And so there was just, there's so much love and so much happiness in our household. Now, does that mean that we weren't without tragedy or trauma or down moments? No, my gosh, we were, we had all of that and then some, but I have to say that you know, I think I learned my work ethic from them because they are hard workers. They are kind people. And I just, my own, my, I'm in love with life myself. And I actually think yeah. it's because of them. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. And then, so would you say there was a major event or something when you grew up that kind of led you on the path that you are on now? Yeah, for sure. So I... I think there are multiple things, kind of factors here. So my parents were really hardworking, as I had mentioned. Now, when my parents, they sold the nightclub, and then my dad ended up getting into the financial industry, and his story is phenomenal. So the, that, that big pivot he made was a huge risk, because now he's going to go into the, and become a stockbroker, and it's all commission, and it's, it, he didn't even have a college degree. It was a big risk. And so wow. To go from something that was somewhat stable to not, that was a, that was really scary. So my mom went, decided to go back to work, but because she had three kids and she thought, well, I want to be home with my kids. So she had a daycare in the house. So I grew up with a daycare in my house and you know, we had upwards of 12 little kids running around. And 
and I had my own sibling and I I was the oldest by a margin of at least five or six years than the, the kids. And so there was always chaos, so much chaos. It wasn't that it was unwanted, but for me, I think um, as, a ch- as a developing child, right? Because I'm in adolescence, my prefrontal cortex isn't fully formed. I think in order to really manage all that stress, I became really OCD and very, very controlled. And so I developed um, a really horrible eating disorder in high school and that lasted a long time. And I think it was the response to the stress and needing to control my environment and feel in control and feel like, okay, I've, I've got, things are in control. Uh, it just, my personal life really spun out. And it was one of those things where it was so hard, Scott. Oh my gosh. And I had it for years. And it, it was one of those things where um, debilitating, truly. It's when I mean, you're in a living hell. And yet, like, I, I'm certain that if it wasn't for though that dark period from age 15 to 21, I, I wouldn't be who I am today. Okay. And so, for me, I had learned all the powers of reflection and all, the strength, the resilience. It, it really definitely made me who I am today. And so, with this, I have really come to realize that we grow equally in the yeah. light and in the dark. And so I've, I'm now at a place where I can just embrace both very easily. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah, no, good for you. So for anybody who maybe is in a dark period of time right now and they need to get out of it, what were some of the things that you did to get past that? Yeah. So a couple things. And I'll speak personally because I can't speak for everybody, but I knew that when I was in, when it was really dark, like I knew deep in my heart, it wouldn't be this way all forever. I knew that there would be a point in time when I would be healed, but the path between where I was and healed, it was so elusive. It was, I'm not sure how that was going to happen, but I did have faith that, okay, this isn't going to last forever. And Mm -hmm. then I I had to say to myself, but maybe there's something in here that I'm learning that I just can't put my finger on right now, but I'll appreciate later. And so what I developed, and I now teach it now as a coach, because I work with a lot of leaders and teams. And and one of the tools that I didn't have words for it back then, but I do now, and I call this tool painting forward. But essentially what this is, is you're in the midst of a crappy, crappy situation. And it can it can be really bad. It can be really hard. It's your down period. You're like, oh, this is so hard. I just don't know how we're going to get through. Or So it's those really down hard periods. What you do is in this moment, you do a little bit of a pivot. And the way this works is, you know how, Scott, like for you, you know how you'll be in your now moment today on what, you know, it's Tuesday in October and you're yeah. in your now moment, but you look back in the past and you're like, oh, gosh, remember that thing I went through in my 20s? I was 22 and it was, God, it was so hard. And you know how we'll look back to our past in those moments that were super hard and we can, from our now moment, we look back at that and go, that was awful. But if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have this and I wouldn't have done that. And I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't know what I know. And so we do this all the time with when we look back in the past. And so from our now moment, we can always extract the gift of the shit of the past. We can always do that. Yeah. But 
And so what this tool is, is if you're in a crappy now moment, it's saying, oh, hold on. There's going to be a point in the future where I'm going to look back at this and go, yeah, that sucked, but. And so what yeah. painting forward is, is it says, hey, why don't you fast forward, take a moment, go to your, to your future vision, say three years from now. And now from that place, just imagine that you've lived into your aspirations. Now explain to yourself why this that you're in right now, this crappy moment, why that's on purpose, why that's necessary to get you there. <gasps> nice. And so it's a really powerful way of, of reframing and a, a crappy situation yeah. and converting your resistance to appreciation. Because the moment you can do that, then your equation changes. And then yeah. what starts to happen on a daily basis changes when you can change that energy of resistance to appreciation. I love it. I love it. I've been reading all kinds of things about visualization and just the power of like your subconscious mind and all of that leads to exactly like what you're saying here. So it's so incredible. Yeah. So good for you. So you teach this for, for businesses because you said you're a coach. So you do this for businesses. Yeah. So when I work with teams and I work with leaders, I work with on all things, growth, transformation, and flow. Okay. So that's what I've been doing for over the, it's been over a decade. I found it always on purpose in 2011 and I've just been coaching straight. And I've really coached many, many different walks of life, many different people. But over the past six years, I've been really focused heavily on with leaders and teams and, and executives. And I would say it's anything pertaining to growth, transformation, and flow. And so quite universally, there all of us get in our own way. And there are very clear themes in the ways that each of us, doesn't matter if you're an individual contributor, if you're a supervisor, if you're a leader, if you're an executive, there are pretty clear themes in the ways that we hold ourselves back. And often it's kind of below the level of our own awareness. And so what I do is when I partner with leaders, we help excavate those blind spots and then awesome. convert inaction to powerful action. That's awesome. And then just for anybody listening here, do you provide these coaching services regardless of where the potential client may live in the world? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I've got, I've coached people all around the world for sure. That's yeah. so time, cool. time, sometimes it can be a challenge with the time zones, but we'll always make it work. <laughs> yeah. No, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. No, good for you. And you, you've written an amazing book, right? Can you tell us about that? Like how long did it take you? Where was some inspiration behind writing it? I'm really excited to hear this. Oh, thanks, Scott. Yeah, it was, so I, what an amazing truly transformative process it is to write a book. Now it was in 2014 going into okay. 2015 that I knew exactly what this book needed to be. And I knew in my heart I was going to write it, but I also okay. knew that I wasn't, it wasn't time. It was not time to write the book because I was still in process of gathering all the research and doing really, I was immersed in, in all of the coaching conversations because I've, I've had thousands of conversations. And I knew what the essence of this book needed to be because what I was doing at that point in time, it was genuinely helping people. People were absolutely transforming. And the thought was, shoot, I'm really just limited to the people I can work with. And, but there's this process that absolutely helps. And I want to get this out to those that really want to take this on but I can't physically work with because I just, there's not enough of me to go around. This book has to be yeah. in existence. And so 
but I knew, but I'm still getting the, I'm still doing the case studies. I'm still getting the examples. And so it was around 2019 when I was like, okay, but now is the time. But here I have to tell you, there was this, there was a pivotal moment and it was in 2016 and okay. I am, I'm getting certified in conversational intelligence. And so a part of a huge area of expertise and passion of mine in my coaching is all things communication. Yeah. Because this is where everything is happening in For this sure. medium of communication. And we don't tend to think about it that way. We just tend to show up with our noble intention and then hope for the best and then wonder why things fall apart, right? <laughs> so, yep. um, so there is just so much opportunity in getting this medium right. And for me, this medium really is 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 really symptomatic of the deeper stuff within us. And so this is a big entry point to do the deep work with people. But anyway, communication is a big fascination and focus. So I'm getting certified in conversational intelligence, which is all about the neuroscience of trust and communication. And Scott, oh my goodness, when I learned that rejection as an experience literally registers as physical pain and is and it is literally perceived as like death to the brain, rejection is truly like death to the brain. The When I learned that, it was almost as if everything that I had been studying and bringing together in this, it all fit and it was the final missing piece that I absolutely needed for this whole book to make sense. I was like, that is it. And so that's when I'm like, okay, this book is absolutely going to happen now. I've just got to get the final this, final that. And it was 2019. And I'm like, all right, it's time. I'm doing it. We're getting this book out there. And then it was just, it was flow. And as you know, <laughs> we know, yes. we know how flow works, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's how we met. Yes. It's a high peak performance flow training course so that's right what a pleasure to be together in that course yeah <laughs> yeah no for sure I, lo I loved it but no I love that too and do you find because of COVID do you think that also helped because now there's more working from home there's less physical meetings did that help to really get the writing done for you so I I think of this nothing short of synchronicity because what happened was at the end of 2019 I'm like all right we're gonna do this I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this serious and it was the first week of 2020 and my mentor and dear friend, Christine Carlson, she's the co-author of Don't Sweat the Small Stuff series. And she's like, Amy, I'm going to take you under my wing. Let's do this. I'm going to help you birth your book. So she she was a massive support. Went up to her place in Mount Shastis that first week of 2020. Map out the whole book, the whole outline. I start writing. Come home. And I'm like, okay, I've got this. I've got this travel. But I'm going to get the writing in. And then, boom, the world shut down. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. So now all my keynotes are canceled. Workshops are canceled. All this stuff is canceled. Now we're not entertaining anymore, which we entertain all the time. Oh my gosh, there's all this time. 100%. I am certain that if it wasn't for that weird wonky shift, I don't know if I would have been able to finish the whole book in the, full, the whole year because I started that first week of 2020 and I finished the manuscript on December 27th of 2020. Wow. And it was, it really, it took me, that long. Now, does it t normally take that long to write a book? No, but I really trusted the process. And for me, in order to find flow, I'd have to go through those periods of like struggle and then release. And, and there were, there were chunks of time in between. And so it, but that's how long it took. Yeah. 
No, but that's impressive. I think that's pretty, I think the timing's actually pretty good when you hear different podcasts and people speaking about how long it took them to write a book. I would say, yeah, usually it's like within nine months to a year, the average. So I, I think you did really good. So good job. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, but no, no. I, I feel blessed. Yeah. I love, I loved it. So for anybody here who's listening, like where can they find your book? Because I bought it. I loved it. Where would you recommend that they pick Thanks, it up? Thanks, Scott. Yeah. So the book is called Living on Purpose, and the subtitle is Five Deliberate Choices to Realize Fulfillment and Joy. And it is available where all books are sold. I think the okay. easiest place is probably Amazon. The And I do, I have the Audible. Actually, I got to narrate, which was awesome. Nice. I was so going to ask that. Yeah. I was going to ask that. Yeah. Yeah. So you can get, you can, um, you can if you like Audible, there's that, the, there's that option. But, um, but yeah, it's, you can pretty much pick it up wherever. Yeah. And I really, really like, so compliments you. I really liked your readings or your writing style. It's very easy to read some self-help books. It's dense in the way they wrote it. It's hard to follow and you're drinking caffeine to stay awake, but yours is not like that. It's so easy to go through. It's almost like a, you can go through it like a story, ah, but yeah. you really learn along the way. So I, I really oh, enjoyed it. Thank you, Scott. It was important to me. I, I'll just share with, with everyone that you know my the first part of my life. So I studied math at UC Berkeley, and so my undergraduate was in pure math. And so as a mathematician, trained very rigorously in just understand logic, argument, reasoning, and for me, discerning truth and finding patterns and meaning and then being able to articulate that in a very clear and very irrefutable way. That's just something I've been very rigorously trained in. And then on the flip side, my graduate degree is in transpersonal psychology, which is the complete other, the other side of you know, discerning truth in a, non, you know, in a subjective, nonlinear way. And how do we make sense of this when it's really quite irrational? And and then being able to hold both. And so what was important to me with this book was that it was as clear and as bulletproof sound, like logic and argument wise as a math proof, but really, truly honored just the humanity of our experience and just how, you know, and just how illogical we can be and how stories really teach. And, and so it was important that I really bring both because for me, I, I understand best when there's a sound argument, but I also need story to understand the context. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how it, it came together. That's awesome. Back to your synchronicity, right? Everything worked out and all fit together perfectly. So yeah, that's you. awesome. Yeah. Cool. So what do you find? So say you pick up a new coaching client. What do you find is sort of some of the most common struggles that people face in their life uh, that they need to get, get through? Gosh, it's there's there's various themes, and I would say okay. uh, where I always get really interested is one's inner dialogue, because the inner dialogue that we sustain tells us so really dictates so much of our own experience, and the ways in which we tend to get in, way, in our own way, it's either going to be out of fear, right, Un, unchecked, unresolved fear, like we're worried about some future state or we're worried about failure. We're, there's some aspect of fear that's holding us back in ways that we don't realize. And then yeah. the other way in which we hold ourselves back is self-doubt. And yeah. self-doubt shows up in various ways and in different forms, but that self-doubt is, is, can be really quite debilitating. And I would even say the most ambitious 
the most um, successful individuals are like, I, I really don't, I, I, that's not an issue. Believe it or not, it pops up in ways that are somewhat insidious and, and identifying the ways in which we hold ourselves back due to unrealized self-doubt is actually, it's a huge opportunity. So I'd say fear, self-doubt, those are big ones. And then the other, another way that we tend to get in our own way a lot is unnecessary resistance to what is. All of us tend to push against reality unknowingly, but then that just, that we just hold ourselves back by doing that. So that's a whole big other conversation, but, yeah. but that's a big, big one as well. Yeah, you're right. <clears throat> you're right on all three of them. I was going to say for me in my industry, I find people, it's fear. I find uh, that would be our number one thing, but you're right. So many people limit themselves by their beliefs and um, it's crazy to to imagine. But one thing that I recently heard was, and I might be butchering and I might be saying it wrong, but pretty much we fear things that we actually shouldn't really be scared of. If you're going to be hit by a train, right? That's a logical fear that we should have. But if you're scared to like, speak in public, right? that's not actually something that's scary or that you should be fearful of. So they're saying to grow as a person, whenever you feel that fear, that's not an actual dangerous fear, just to do it, no matter yeah. what it is. And then yeah. you get over your fears. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, there's so much to say about this right here. And I'll just, if this is interesting, because this again, maps back to that big aha for me in 2016 around the neuroscience of trust. Most of our fear, oh, I, I have yet to have any conversations that are going to invalidate what I'm going to say, but I would say... I'm going to just throw out a number 97% of the time, every single one of our fear is going to map back to how we are being perceived some yeah. fear in our, in how we are being perceived by others. So think of it this way. A lot of us say, Oh, I'm a fear, afraid of failure. Okay. Yeah, maybe, but actually no, because if you fail, what does that imply? That implies that you're not good enough. If you're not good enough, then now you're going to be seen unfavorably. If you're seen unfavorably, oh my gosh, this maps to what? Rejection. And so what's really interesting to me is that everything that drives us, honestly, as social creatures, we are driven to be connected and in belonging with one another. But what's the flip? We are driven to avoid rejection like we avoid the plague. And so we can take every single one of our fears, whether it's fear of speaking in public, fear of speaking up in a meeting, fear of failing, fear. It all maps back to rejection. Yeah. All of it. And true. when we can see this logically and then we can work this out for ourselves through the process of just inquiry. Oh, my gosh. This yeah. is what holds me back. It that it can unlock a lot. It's so true. And <clears throat> you don't have to necessarily attack your fear head on. You can do it indirectly and still receive results. And I'll give you an example. I was helping my dad. He used to build houses when I was younger. I was a teenager. And I was on the roof. I was doing the roof with them. And I almost fell off the roof. So I became scared of heights because I literally almost fell off like a three-story roof. So then later in life, I was like, well, you know what? I want to get over my fears. So I'm going to jump out of a plane. I'm going to go skydiving. And I did it, right? And so now I'm not scared of heights. But also what it did, and I mentioned public speaking, but I can speak better in public now because I'm like, you know what? I just jumped out of a plane. Of course, I can go talk to these people. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So by getting over your fears, even if it's not a problem in a different area, by getting over your fears on one side, 
you know, the room, you can get over your fears on the other side just by getting confident in, in facing them. So it's, oh, it's super 100%. cool. I love that so much. You're absolutely right. And you know, it's, I think for a lot of us, it's the discomfort of, I mean, fear creates sensations that we, our brain maps to unwanted and discomfort. And so we're like, oh, I don't want that. I don't want that. And so we naturally just bounce back into safety when anything fearful arises. But if we can think about those sensations as, wait, hold on. Those are just sensations that maybe are accurate, inaccurately mapping to oh my gosh, death is on the other side of this. No, actually, what if these are just sensations that I'm about to transform, that I'm about to grow? And so if we can meet those sensations as wanted instead of unwanted, it's amazing how what you've just described, it, it will completely change your experience where what was once now fearful, now it's just exciting. Yeah, it's so cool. I love I love the psychology of this all. Like I love it all. So no, that's awesome. So no, and I I know we're getting close on the time here. Uh, so for your coaching, so say I'm a business owner or an entrepreneur, and I want to leverage your services. Do you offer like a consulting call to see if it's the right fit? Oh, or yeah. How does that yeah. process look? Yeah, like? absolutely, absolutely. Because you know it's for for any organization or team or leader really that is looking to grow, is to looking okay. to transform, is to, is to, so, cause another, like I was mentioning, the all things communication really is my happy place. So okay. when I, I'm, I tend to work with teams and leaders where they want to improve all aspects in the ways in which they operate and collaborate and innovate together because they get, okay, that's how we're going to get the most bang for our buck is how do we make this more, how do we make us more cohesive, more higher trust, higher performing. And so that, that it's, if that's interesting for folks, that's really where like, oh, hey, let's chat. And so then we'll chat. And then it could be a matter of, like, hey, let's do a series of workshops for your team. And then we'll follow up with one-on-one coaching or let's, you know, the sky's the limit and what we end up designing. But okay. it, it's really the idea is how do we partner to create wild aspirational success? I love it. That's awesome. And then, so, so somebody's interested in that, how would they reach out to you to get that process started? Yeah. So my website is alwaysonpurpose.com. And so the best thing to do is to check out my website. You can reach out to me at amy at alwaysonpurpose.com, or you can just reach out via my website on the contact form and lots of information there about what's possible, but best is just shoot me an email. That's awesome. Awesome. I really appreciate your time, Amy. It was such a great chat. I love hearing your story and your book was amazing. And I'm not just saying that, like I literally, we we're in our course and I don't know if you remember, but I, I saw your books behind you in the <laughs> yeah, course, yeah, that's right. uh, like a little advertisement uh, to the team. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get that. And I got it. And I told you, I got it and I read it and I loved it. So Aww. anybody who's, who's out there, you definitely want to check out her book. Uh, but no, we have to wrap up, but I really appreciate you coming on and uh, it was a great chat. No, it's got truly a pleasure. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. If you're serious about real estate investing and you want to take it to the next level with the least amount of time and mistakes, then you're going to want to sign up for our real estate investor hub. Visit CanadianRealEstateNetwork.com and hit the blue button or banner that says free investor resources. Inside, 
you'll have access to real estate investing courses, networking opportunities, webinars featuring industry professionals, as well as dedicated chat channels to share and get access to unique properties. I look forward to seeing you there.